theme of this weekend and this day. Tomorrow, July the 4th, is known as Independence Day in our country. It was the time that the uh, Declaration of Independence was signed in Philadelphia in 1776. And we have counted that as the birth date of our nation. When the formation of the government as we know it today began from the minds and the hearts of dedicated men, men who were dedicated to freedom and liberty and independence, men who were dedicated to the common welfare of the people who lived in the colonies of this country at that time and to all those including us who would come after them. They put together a unique form of government that is despised by some but honored and revered by many that is still working today. Admittedly it doesn't work like it did then. But we have a vastly different country in, in size and population from what we had then. And yet, and yet, there's no country who can say for as long as the United States of America has been able to say it, that every transition of leadership from one power based to another, from one leader to another in the United States of America has been accomplished by voting by the ballot and it has not ever been done at the threat of force and military intervention. No country has had the long history of that continuous record like the United States of America has. We do not have a royal line in America. We don't have kings who pass on the throne to their family, to their posterity. We have some people who think that they ought to be recognized that way. <laughs> who think that they deserve that because they're better than you know, the royal family is always better than anybody else in the country and we've got people in this country who think they're better than anybody else in the country and so they ought to have their turn to be the leader. I know you think I'm talking about certain people but I'm not. <laughs> there are a lot of them like that. A lot of people like that. But it doesn't do any good because that's not going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen this year either. I believe God's going to intervene on behalf of this country. And I believe we're seeing the signs of the way God's going to do it right now. After a while, I don't care who you are, you thwart the will of God and God will judge you. Doesn't matter what position you hold, how much you have in the bank, what your name is, who your father was or who your husband is or wife may be, it doesn't matter. God will bring about his will. And we're going to see that happen in our country 
this year in, a, in an outstanding way. I see it developing. I did not plan to say the things I'm saying right now, so I'm going to believe that I'm speaking to you from the heart of the Lord this morning and in these points right now before I really get into my message. I see this happening and <clears throat> a lot of times when I see God doing something, I wish and sometimes I even pray that he would do it in a little different way from what he apparently has decided to do it. But God knows the heart of every person, every single person. Every person who's going to cast a vote in November in this country that will decide who's going to be the president of the United States. God knows the heart, the mind of every person who's going to cast a vote. And God knows how to direct those hearts and minds to bring about what nobody would want except him, perhaps. And in his own sometimes mysterious ways, God works to bring his will and he doesn't ask us for our approval except for us to do what we ought to do as citizens of this nation. So I'm going to ask you when the time comes to speak about it, not to speak because of partisanship, but to speak because of being led by the Holy Spirit, the direction that you think this country ought to go. Because after all, no matter what anybody says, this country was founded on basic Christian principles and the Word of God. The current President of the United States made an announcement. He's made several announcements that most of us don't agree with, but that's another point. That doesn't really matter. When he said that America is no longer a Christian nation, he was challenging your faith. He was denying the history of this country. This nation was founded on basic Christian principles and the Word of God. When we say America began as a Christian nation, we're not saying everybody who came here was a Christian. There were Jews that were here in the very earliest stages of the country. And it was a good thing because it taught tolerance and acceptance. We're not saying, every, when we say, a, a, when we speak of a Christian nation, we're not saying everybody is a Christian, was a Christian, or everybody's ever going to be a Christian. What we're saying is that this nation, as I've stated already, was founded on basic Christian principles and founded on the Word of God. You go back and look at the writings of the men in history, and while there are those who want to pick certain things out to say, this is not what George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, Benjamin Franklin believed the fact is that every one of them has something in their they, they have written that has been preserved for posterity that says they believed in an almighty God. They may not have believed the gospel the way we believe it. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that they believed the word of God was the foundation for this country. And all of them in their own way made that statement. So anyone can say anything. You say, oh, this is not a Christian nation. Never has been. Depending on the way you define it, you might justify that. But when you're talking about the, the principles of the founding of this country, you cannot legitimately and honestly say 
that, that those principles were not taken from the Word of God. It's clear that they were. The first settlers who came to America, they were called after they got here pilgrims. When they were leaving uh, Europe, they were usually described as Puritans. The pilgrims who landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620 had not directly left England. They had left England 10 years before that and moved to Holland. But they left Holland because they felt it was oppressive and repressive as far as their religion was concerned. They left Holland to come to the United States. So when they came over on uh, that ship that we know so well and speak of so often, the Mayflower, they settled in uh, Massachusetts and the, the, uh, the governor of the first colony was a man named William Bradford. This is what he wrote about why they left to come to the United States. They cherished, I'm quoting from his writings, from his, from his uh, journal. They, those who came, cherished a great hope and inward zeal of laying good foundations for the propagation and advance of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the remote parts of the world. They came to spread the gospel as one of their reasons. They came for religious freedom and for the ability to spread the gospel. And among them, in the very earliest stages, there were Jews as well as Christian believers. So there, from the very beginning of the founding of this country, 1620, long, a hundred years and more before the independence from England was declared in the Declaration of Independence, they came because they wanted to worship God freely and because they wanted to spread the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what their first governor said. Following that, if you, if you, if you look at the various things that testify to the faith of this nation in Almighty God, you see it everywhere. I don't know if you've ever made a trip to Washington, D.C., but if you have not, I recommend to you that that is one of the places that you ought to go in your lifetime. And you ought to go to see the remarkable evidence of the faith of our founders that is demonstrated in that city. I was going to preach a message one time, and I may yet do it. I was working on it, and I got my thoughts going another direction. I don't remember why. But, but I, I had a series of messages that I was going to call, Where Does God Live? And one of those messages was going to be, God lives in Washington, D.C. I might have got afraid to announce that. I don't know why I didn't. Everybody would think I'd become a heretic or something. But, but the fact of the matter is, the evidence is there. The Washington Monument was the first major monument constructed in Washington to honor a leader of our country, the man who's called the father of our country, George Washington, the first president. That Washington Monument says 555 feet tall. And I have not looked at this, but I've read more than one place that this is true. That at the very peak of that Washington Monument, which is that on the east side of it, there's a plaque. And on that plaque is written these words, Laus Deo, which loosely translated from Latin, 
means praise be to God. Worship our God. Praise God. Honor God. And it's on the east side because as the sun rises in the east on that 555 foot tall monument, the first thing that the rays of the sun hit in Washington, D.C. is a note of worship and praise to Almighty God. So the Bible is the foundation of that. It came from the Bible. You move on down and go to the Lincoln Memorial. I've, I have stood in a few places where I felt a spiritual awe that may not have just been the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But the one of those places that I have stood in awe and felt a, a, a sense of presence around me is in the Lincoln Memorial. When you stand there and see that great statue of Abraham Lincoln sitting on the chair, the middle of that monument, and then read the things around the wall that were written by him and spoken by him, it is a moving, stirring experience. I felt that in a few other places, but never more so than in the Lincoln Memorial. So when you go into the Lincoln Memorial, one of the things that you will see written, carved in stone, is a part of his statement from the Gettysburg Address, one of his great speeches, a speech of just a few words, limited in time, remembered through all of history. A part of that, man, of that speech said, in the words of Lincoln, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Because he was a believer. One other thing that came from the Gettysburg Address that's carved there is this statement. This nation, the United States of America, which had just come through an awful civil war, a horrible battle at Gettysburg, and President Lincoln was there to speak. There was a, he wasn't the main speaker of the day. Somebody else was the speaker, and I think he spoke like three or four hours. Lincoln spoke just a few minutes, but everything he said has been remembered down to this day. Preachers take note. One of, one of the things that Abraham Lincoln said was, as he stood there looking out over that battlefield, was this nation that had been so divided by a horrible civil war, this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. He made sure to say, it will be the grace of God that spares this nation. That's the true faith of a believer. Go on down to the Jefferson Memorial. Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, is usually thought of as one of the most secular of the founding fathers. And perhaps he was. But that doesn't mean he wasn't a believer. It is not known that he was an outright Christian, but he was a believer in the plan and purposes of an almighty God. And that is clear from things that Jefferson said. This is one of the things you'll find in the Jefferson Memorial. That's the picture of it right there. Written over the words around the, that rotunda is what Jefferson said this. God, the holy author of our religion. That's how he described God. Almighty God, the holy author of our religion. And then he said in another carving that's there, God who gave us life 
gave us liberty. That's important because Jefferson was saying that the rights that we have in our country, the rights that are enshrined in what we call the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution of the United States, are not rights that are given to us because the government says we have those rights. Freedom of religion, freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. It's not because the government says we have, the government didn't give us those rights, Jefferson said. Men didn't give us those rights. We have those rights because they're inalienable rights. They're, in other words, undeniable rights that were given to us by God. And because God gave them to us, the government can't take them away. That's Thomas Jefferson, the secularist he's called. But he was a believer in Almighty God and clearly so. And he said when he made that statement, the freedoms that we still enjoy today in this country, those freedoms are given by God, not by the government. If they're given by the government, they could change the law and pass it and change it. But when they start trying to do something in the United States, and they do come on the edge of it many times in this Congress, and other congresses, they come right on the edge of it many times. They get their nose pinched and their mouth punched and their, and their hand slapped. And the thing that rises up that so many politicians really say they believe in but despise, the Constitution of the United States of America. And that is not what gave us our liberties, but it's what guarantees we will keep them because it acknowledges that they came from God. So, the Jefferson Memorial attests to that. John Adams was the second president of the United States. And he was another one of those, those guys that people say didn't have much faith, but he spoke like he did. John Adams addressed both of the truths that I've already spoken about. He addressed them in, in this way. The general principles on which the fathers, the founding fathers achieved independence from England were the general principles of Christianity. Adams attested to that. And this is one thing that he said. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. If we don't have morality and religion, we don't have the solidity and solidarity of government is what he is saying. Our Constitution was made only, this is, this is Adams now, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. This Constitution wouldn't stand other than being supported by moral and religious people, is Adams' words. And it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's what's so unique about the Constitution of the United States, what's so unique about our government. It is based on morality and righteousness from the Word of God. Not that everybody was moral, not that everybody was righteous, not that everybody was saved or a Christian. But the government, the founding of this nation is based on that principle, founded on the Word of God. When many things were put in the foundation of the Washington Monument, something would not probably happen today. But when that monument was built, and a lot of things were put in that basement for posterity to discover in the future, one of the main things that was put in that foundation that is today under the undergirding of the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. is the Holy Bible. 
There are people in our government today, I've never heard them speak of the Bible as a holy book. If they ever speak of it, they just say the Bible. There's another book that they always call holy. I'm speaking of the Quran. That's every time I hear the Quran, I hear the holy, the holy Quran. I hear the Bible, I just hear the Bible. When the addresses to this nation are given from the congressional seat of authority in Washington, usually they're given from the uh, chamber of the House of Representatives. More seats, more availability for people. And so they come into the House of Representatives and there senators, dignitaries all are gathered for the State of the Union, for example, or maybe for other major speeches as well. But when that, when that happens, and whoever is speaking, if that person were just to turn around and glance upward, you would see, in God we trust. Now, Notre Dame covered up all of their Christian symbols for an address. Georgetown University did the same. The Catholic institutions believe, supposed to believe the Bible, but, but they covered up those things because that was supposed to be offensive and perhaps be offensive to people in this country. We all know who it would offend. But they cannot cover up that statement across the blazoned over the podium in the House of Representatives. That cannot be covered up. Why? Because that is actually the motto of the United States of America. In God we trust. So, boy, huh? I'm glad, you know, I, 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 look at, I look at things that I say oftentimes as, as preaching the gospel and sometimes as a defender of truth. And I don't think there's a whole lot of difference in those two statements, defender of truth. We are people who are to defend the truth. That's exactly what was written in the New Testament where Jude said, contend for the faith that is earnestly, that is earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Hold up the statement, the testimony and truth of that testimony. Contend for the faith. Hold out for the truth of God. And friends, that's what you and I have to do. We have to recognize that we are enlisted in a cause. And this cause is to promote the gospel to bring the message of Jesus to those who are lost and also to maintain the ability to do that by holding fast to liberty and freedom that gives us the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. One of the great things about America is that we have been able to proclaim the gospel not just here but around the world because of the freedom in which our country is based. It's extremely important that we know that and important that we be enlisted for that cause, that we be part of that. I believe the church, not just this church, but the church of Jesus, the church of Christ our Lord, is a part of holding fast to that truth and keeping that held up before the people of the world. We've got to support the gathering, the body of Christ, in order to let that be known. 
We're enlisted. We're a part of a, a campaign. We're a part of a military process, not fighting with ordinary weapons, but military in the sense that it's planned and organized and that the total concept, the total goal of the church of Jesus Christ is victory. It isn't for us to feel comfortable or for us just to feel a, have a good feeling and feel warm and fuzzy. The purpose of the church of Jesus Christ is to win the lost, bring back the king, proclaim the truth, and stand fast and firm and never give up. I, I, I did not write this. I, I, I read it and I've read it and reread it several different times. And I even saw it on the internet. And I asked somebody to get it in full written form for me and I have it. It's called I Am a Soldier. And this is what it says. I am a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I've been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, pepped up. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I am committed. No one is to send me flowers gifts, food, cards, or candy. I don't need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I cannot have my feelings hurt enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I'll still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching heaven bound. If you're a soldier, stand up this morning. Glory to God. If you're a soldier, stand. And those of you who cannot stand, you can't stand. God bless you, God. You can't stand. It's all right. You're a soldier anyway. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because being a soldier in the army of God is in our heart. It's a commitment inside. It's who we are. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to represent Jesus. We're going to hold him up. And no matter what anybody says and what anybody disagrees with, no matter what anybody challenges us with, we're going to say, this is truth and I will stand on truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. I am so glad to be a part of this movement. I don't know a better name for it. This movement, this move, surge forward in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad I came this morning. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody told Carolyn on the phone this week they didn't think they'd be coming back because when they came to service they got a little bit bored. They said, my preaching put them to sleep. 
I'm not bothered by that. I doubt it was my preaching, but if it was, they wouldn't sleep while I was preaching. Oh, that's okay. They should have been here today, shouldn't they? <laughs> should have at least given me a second chance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm feeling better than I can even tell you this morning. I don't feel old. I don't feel decrepit. I don't feel worn out. I don't feel run down. I just feel zipping with the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't you? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. <laughs> I don't know how to close this service this morning. I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to follow how I'm supposed to close this today. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, lead us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to celebrate our nation today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. And I just pray, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you will help us, speak to us, lead us, guide us, Lord Jesus, to speak and say and just follow directly. Oh, Lord Jesus, Father God. here and walk with you, Lord.